Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Oh, welcome to the Tuesday night podcast, Triumph Over Triumph Over Targeting. I don't have my spiel tonight, so it's going to be a short one. If you're new to the call, please stay on, and we will supply you with some lists, some other talk shoot uh, podcast information. We can uh, connect you to some people and get you buddied up with some people. And um, if you are new, also hit star eight if you want to speak. And if everyone's muted, just hit star eight. I'll unmute you at the appropriate time. And then if you want to, if you're unmuted and you have background noise, um, just go ahead and hit star six, and we won't be able to hear you, and we won't hear your background noise. And then if you want to unblock yourself, unmute yourself, just hit star six again. That's all you really need to know. Um, And like I said, we have Dr. Seth Barber coming in, and he is going to talk about um, some of the precautions we should take, uh, all targets and activists alike, if, you know, if we end up in some kind of institution, he's going to give us some advice on that. Um, speaking of background noise, hold on one second. Stop. Um, anyways, so, um, yeah, so he's going to be discussing that, and I'm sure some of you have heard him before, and he's fantastic. He's just a great guy. He's done a lot for our community. Um, he has advocated for us. He's, uh, you know, he's written great books, um, you know, acclaimed books. He, um, you know, let him speak for himself. Um, let's see. Um, Seth, if you're here, will you hit star eight? I see a New York on there. I don't know if that's you. Could be another New York. And just to give you guys an update about the TV series that, that we're working on that I've mentioned before, everything's moving forward, guys, and that's really good news because I've been in this community long enough to know that things fall through, and it's very disheartening, and it, you get excited about something, and then it doesn't happen. You know, and I've experienced that often with David, you know, working with David Voigt, who I'll give you an update. He is back in South Carolina. He had two funerals in five days, um, as many of you may know. He sounds good. He went back to South Carolina to rent his house out because it's been sitting vacant, and he still has his belongings in it. So he's taking care of that. He's going to get it rented out. He's getting his belongings, taking him back to Illinois where his family is. And once he reaches Illinois, he's going to head on back down to Kansas City and pick up where he left off. So everything, he's still moving forward. He's still thinking ahead, and nothing um, is changing. He just had to tend to family matters, and uh, he sounds good. He sounds in good spirits today. Um, And then um, let me think about anything else. I I don't have my little cheat sheet with me, so I'm going to have to do the best I can. So, Linda, do you want to continue on? I'd like people to hear what you were talking about, the documentary, I believe, what it is. is that what it is, an activist group? Oh, yeah. Do you have more people on? Do you want to share that information again? I thought it was uh, important. Um, I was just uh, mentioning one of the guests that was on Flashpoints, which is the um, uh, on KPFA. 
uh, Pacific uh, Radio, which is the local um, public radio supported uh, solely by the listeners, uh, no no corporate sponsors there. Uh, and so the the one of the guests tonight uh, today was uh, S. Brian Wilson, a former officer uh, in the Marines and the military. Uh, and was in Vietnam, uh, and he was drafted uh, from when he was in graduate school with the ambition to become an attorney and make lots of money. Um, and then so he ended up in Vietnam and um, uh, ended up doing a village assessment, which he went out and happened to see the uh, results of, uh, of the, their destruction, the American uh, uh, aggression and, and uh, military, and he, he he found he was just devastated. Uh, he found you know the, the bodies of a particularly uh, many many children, and it, it was a turning point in his life. Uh, he was just you know really uh, uh, you know he was very you know he was struck by it, and and at a time for a time he said he he. It actually became somewhat suicidal because he had a difficulty, uh, uh, you know, putting uh, together what his role uh, as a as a military officer uh, and what he'd been told, all the things he'd been told about the history, uh, American history, and and uh, so forth and so on, with the reality that he uh, was looking at and experiencing. So anyway, he uh, he uh, uh, he decided to go with uh, the reality, and he uh, he started he he got more education, and for a while he was there, and he uh, he got out of the service early because he uh, started uh, speaking up and telling his superior uh, about you know the the immorality of uh, of the situation and so on and so forth. So he became a became a protester. And uh, uh, in late 80s, I think it was, he found himself with a, a bunch of other protesters uh, uh, blocking the uh, weapons shipments uh, that were heading toward South America or, or the, uh, yeah, the Americas uh, uh, in, in Concord, California. Uh, and he and they were blocking the trains that were bringing, uh, you know, by physically placing themselves on the tracks, blocking the trains that were uh, uh, bringing these shipments to a port, which would then be shipped uh, south, uh, the, the weapons. So at, at one point, you know, uh, they... They continued blocking the trains, and it was just kind of routine. You know, they would tell, the protesters would tell the, the military there that they were going to uh, block the trains, you know, uh, 10 days ahead of time, and, and the trains would routinely stop, and they'd get arrested, and, and they, they, could, uh, they, could get, they could face uh, up to like a, a year in jail and a $5,000 fine. And so they fully expected the train to stop on the particular day uh, that, that the uh, thing happened. Uh, the thing that happened was that the train didn't stop, and in fact it sped up 
from the usual five miles an hour, 17 miles an hour. And there this, this guy who was uh, ex, ex-Marine, six foot three, was sitting in a lotus position in the middle of the tracks, expecting the train to stop. Uh, and like I said, instead it sped up. And he, he got caught, you know, and he ended up, he couldn't remember anything. He was just grateful to be alive. Uh, and uh, he, he woke up in the hospital and, uh, without his legs. Uh, so anyway, uh, he had to, you know, relearn a few things. Uh, uh, but anyway, he did that, and uh, the, there was a big, a big uptick in the protest after that. Uh, you know, like hundreds of people, they had a kitchen there, and they actually tore up the train tracks uh, and stacked them in response to this whole thing. Anyway, he sued the um, he sued the, the military and, uh, and you know, actually won, uh, uh, you know, I guess it was a three-year uh, court case. Um, but anyway, he's continued throughout the years uh, uh, protesting activism. And uh, so I guess he's now up in the Pacific Northwest with a group that's called they call themselves, it's the first time I've heard of it, it's called Rise Up. And uh, some of the other things, amongst the other things I'm sure they're doing is um, the uh, uh, speaking out uh, 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 against the uh, pipeline. Uh, you know, the, what is it, the key, what you call it, Keystone Pipeline, you know, to bring uh, the oil, shale oil from Canada down to the Koch Brothers facilities in Texas. Uh, so, uh, oh, and also he's uh, he's made a documentary. Uh, uh, How long is that going on? They say what? I can't understand you. Can you fix your speaker? What are you talking about? Well, uh, what am I talking about? I'm talking about a guest who was on uh, KPFA uh, this evening. And the only reason I'm talking about it is because Ella uh, asked me to. If you have some other subject that you'd like to talk to, you know, go for or talk about, you know. No, no, I want to hear you. I just can't hear you. I don't know. Maybe it's my telephone. I was just wondering if it was everybody or just my telephone. Well, I, I uh, couldn't tell you that. I. Uh, everything seems to be okay on this end. Or <laughs> Maybe so. so. But anyway, uh, you know, he's just one of many. Uh, he says, you know, that, that things are coming to a head, uh, that this built, that our entire culture, since we, we uh, stole the land from the indigenous people, uh, uh, you know, and killed them, uh, 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 that 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 had a culture, the whole thing is based on Insatiable consumerism. Insatiable what? Consumerism. You know, where we consume, you know, uh, you know go out and, buy, you know, shop till you drop. Buy, you know, uh, try to try to get rich and buy everything in sight. He who dies with the most toys wins. I'm rich. I'm rich. That's it. I'm rich. I'm rich. <laughs> Don't you wish? Don't you wish? Don't you wish you were rich? Uh, you know, I do. I do. I wish we all were rich. 
Yeah, well, you know, too. you really ought to take a look at that. <laughs> I'll say bridge in other ways, deep bridges, like from what then, right? Bridge <laughs> uh, on the outside, uh, on the in is great. We love that, but. Uh, you know, that, that kind of uh, philosophy is, or, you know, that kind of value system is, is kind of what got us where we are. Oh, I don't care about that. I just wish I were rich and we weren't poor and we could get all the things done we want to do. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it's true. But, you know, whenever there's money, there's, um, you know, there's... Just Happiness, love, wonderful purchasing power, all kinds of goodies. Well, you know, on, on that subject, you know, I uh, look at, you know, uh, look at Steve Jobs. You know, he he was instrumental in, in bringing us all these uh, 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 wireless, uh, you know, these these look at who? devices. But but at the end of the day, and the end of his life, you know, even his billions of dollars couldn't save him from uh, uh, his you know own uh, innovation. Uh, you know, Apple computer and being exposed to all that radiation, which... Why are you looking at the negative things about being rich? I mean, I think being rich would be great. Why would you be happy if you do what you wanted? I could give you all the money you wanted. I would give you, make you happy. Just Wouldn't it be nice to give everybody else all the money they needed if you were rich? You know, help Darryl, everybody. You know, hey, guys, hold on one second. I'm going to see if Seth's in the room. Give me just a second here. Seth, if you're on the call, if you star eight, I'll be able to see that it's you. I see several. Oh, there you are. Okay, I'm going to mute the room. Um, thank you, Linda, so much for your update. Thanks for your wise words, Alice. And um, I will unmute Seth now. Yeah, thanks. Hi, Dr. Farber. How are you? Okay, and you? Doing all right. Um, maybe because there are new people in the community, do you want to give them a little bit of background information about yourself? You're an author, you're a dissident psychologist, you're an advocate for the community. Um, I was just going to give you the opportunity to maybe, you know, uh, share some information about yourself. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I got a PhD in psychology in uh, 1985, New York, California. My master's in New York and California. And... Uh, Shortly afterwards, I became a, a critic. I didn't find out about um, targeted individuals until about, I think about three years ago after I was on Alex Jones as a result of being on it. But I became a critic of the, I call it the mental death system. Um, within a couple of years after I, I finished my PhD and became more radical, and I met in 19. 89, some of the people in a group I hadn't heard of until that time. It was then called the Mental Patients Liberation Movement. In the 90s, it was called the Psychiatric Survivors Movement. And these were the first group of victims of the mental death system who uh, were labeled, you know, had breakdowns, most of them, and were labeled uh, schizophrenic. And uh, instead of uh, accepting their labels and the psychiatric poisons that they call medications, they said that they were oppressed people and victims of the mental health system, and they started organizing to to help other victims of the uh, mental, so-called mental health system, mental death system. Um, 
so I wrote my first book about people who were schizophrenic in the eyes of psychiatry, but got out of the the, the mental health system and and got off the poisonous drugs they give, and uh, as a result of uh, disentangling themselves, got got their lives together. together. Um, anyway, that's uh, my books mostly were on people who were by the standards of psychiatry, uh, quote unquote, schizophrenics. And um, uh, anyway, in uh, a couple, few years ago, uh, uh, after I did Alex Jones, I found out about t- targeted uh, in- individuals and uh, uh, learned things about the deep uh, state that that I wasn't uh, aware aware of. Um, and um, I think a lot of I, I'm always warning people. I've done this over who are targeted individuals that. Um, uh that you you can trust uh, mental mental health professionals um they don't have to be in in collusion with the CIA or NSA although they have an ignominious history of uh, the leaders some of the leading voices uh, in the psychiatry field have collaborated with the CIA with the US intelligence and US military on experiments um Colin Ross wrote about that in CIA doctors. Probably majority don't, but they um, they are um, eager to uh, to kind of in, uh, conscript people into their system and to turn them into chronic mental patients and chronic consumers of psychiatric drugs. So basically, anybody that shows any independence of spirit who's under suspicion is going to be in trouble just because of their independence of spirit. Uh, you know, if they were genuinely uh, therapeutic, they would interpret independence uh, of spirit as a sign of, of mental health uh, or uh, emotional well-being. Uh, but they're not really. They want, to, uh, in order to get a good bill of health to them from them, People have to act as obsequious as, as possible, as servile as possible. Um, and a lot of people, this is a kind of natural, a lot of people, uh, it's, I mean, it's amazing, but I guess the majority of people in, in this country still believe that there's some legitimacy to the mental health system. And uh, my, my um, argument for years is the whole thing is no more, uh, to use an analogy used by uh, one of my mentors, uh, Thomas Saas, author of The Myth of Mental Illness, the whole psychiatric mental health system is, is no more has no more validity than the Inquisition and the hunting of, of witches. So people who, who know that um, would know that uh, any time you, you challenge what they think is correct or the diagnosis they they've given to you unless you go to someone that that uh, beforehand that you you know is going to be sympathetic to targeted uh, individuals for example if you're targeted or whatever um you're going to make them angrier and uh, they're going to become more uh, determined to keep you in in the psychiatric box whether it's on drugs for uh, your whole life or in an actual psychiatric uh, facility o- over the past um 
in the ni- late 1990s, they passed all these laws making it possible to basically incarcerate people outside of the mental health system by keeping them on, forcing them to take uh, toxic, poisonous uh, psychiatric drugs that make them docile and uh, and give them all kinds of physical illnesses. Um, and this is passed in 50 states, and they're always trying to pass, um, pass a new bills to uh, increase their power over individuals. So... Um, this they were doing before, um, pro- pro- before there were so many targeted individuals, um, because um, first of all, it's their mode of operation. Second of all, since they've become uh, married, basically, to the pharmaceutical industry, their goal has become to get more and more people on uh, psychiatric uh, drugs. But you know, a common thing is of of anyone uh, targeted or not uh, who thinks there's some legitimacy to the mental health system, and then they get labeled. They will say to me, "Well, I was misdiagnosed," and then I say that that every psychiatric diagnosis is a, a misdiagnosis. It, it always is. It's just like people who are quote unquote diagnosed as uh, witches. Uh, several centuries ago. And uh, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, you know, you see the things written on... Um, uh, reading the McFade article, and it uh, talked about Sheridan and uh, James, uh, and they wrote this pseudo-scientific uh, piece in... Uh, I forget the journal, some journal of forensic psychiatry and psychology, on how to, uh, on, and, and they um, claimed, uh, at least the claim was in the Times and, and actually in the article that they had showed that uh, targeted individuals were delusional. And they did no such thing if you examine their, their methodology. Hello? Hello? I'm here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, sorry about that. I had a problem oh. with the phone. Can you still hear us? Um, I can hear you now, yeah. Okay, Did great. You... I... Well, hello? Yeah, I'm here. Are you ready for questions, or do you have, you want me to give you ask you a couple questions? Yeah, I didn't know what people are interested in hearing, really. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things I um, discussed was maybe talking about, you know, in case someone gets institutionalized, what can they do prior to, to kind of set up a safe, you know, to be prepared in case something like that happened, you know, because it happens in the community and so much of what happens to us is unbelievable. And as you know, people end up institutionalized. So what preemptive measures can we take in order to um, keep people out of the institutions um, and then maybe uh, how to advocate for themselves if they're in it, maybe what to say, you know, because we've had some people that have been institutionalized recently, and we've had, you know, unfortunately we've had, you know, quite a few deaths in the community. So it's very disconcerting and concerning, and um, I thought you would be able to maybe give us some guidance on that. And I really don't like to hear that, um, you know, activists and people in our community end up in institutions. You know, it's wrong. It's 100% wrong. They're not crazy, and you know that as well. That's I don't even have to convince you because you know. Nobody really belongs in those institutions. If you know, as Artie Lang once said, uh, 
if you're feeling vulnerable or, or weak or in need of help, uh, the worst place to end up is one of those psychiatric institutions. I uh, said it's people who who go there and who are crazy and in need of help. He, he said they're like uh, the Aztec Indians rushing into the mouth of the Spanish. Uh, Canon uh, conquistadors uh, uh, thinking they'll find deliverance, uh, but, but um, you don't want to. The, 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 I think well, the big mistake people make is they they want to prove that they're not crazy to the mental health. It's like a, one of those um, what do they call those Chinese uh, things you used to get when you were a kid. The more you pull, pull, put your finger in it, and you pull on it. The, the the stronger the, the grip it has on you um so you um you you um you, you, you the, the the desire to prove that you're not crazy to to the mental health uh, people is uh is going is actually paradoxically ironically uh, going to get any um uh, TI in, in more tr- more trouble um and uh, I, I've spoken to a number of people. They actually often they regret it afterwards, but they say that they tried to explain that they weren't hearing voices, but V2K and all, all this kind of stuff. The psychiatrist is never going to accept those kind of things. In in this article, um, it, it said the same thing that I've I've seen it in in practice. Anybody that does not accept. Okay, I, I should tell this story again. Um, even I don't think people know about it unless they heard me say it before about the Rosenan experiment. Yeah, you know I worked in this system, um, worked in clinics, and for part of the time, even though I was a reformer, when I was in graduate school, I still believed in it partly. Um, but so. And then even when I stopped believing, I worked on it for a few more years until I couldn't get a job anymore because of my position against psychiatric drugs. So to tell about 1989, so I know the way these people think. Um, and uh, so I, I know that uh, I wasn't surprised when I read the, the Rosenhan experiment. Um, you know, I, I'd also... Um, went to court on behalf of people in the 90s who were mothers who had their kids taken away by the child welfare system. They hadn't done anything wrong in the cases that I represented in many of the cases in the 90s. And so they weren't, you know, accused of abuse because they hadn't abused their kids. They were accused of emotional abuse. And since they didn't have any quote-unquote proof of that, they sent the person to a used to be a court-ordered psychologist, and the psychologist would always uh, say that they had a personality disorder. And if the person who was um, being accused by the child welfare system said, well, I feel the courts are are biased against me, then they got accused, or that that the courts are in collusion with the um, child welfare organization, which they basically are, because um, they they defer to the child welfare organization. Um, so um, they then will, would be labeled paranoid. But the Rosenhan experiment, I don't want to repeat something that people already know, the experiment where Rosenhan and, and seven of his confederates uh, 
pretended they were hearing voices in order to get into a mental hospital. Are people familiar with that? Yeah, I'm not personally familiar with that. Yeah. I don't, they seem to manage to bury that experiment, although in 1973 it was written up in Science Magazine, which is a prestigious scientific magazine. Um, what Rosen and the title of the article was called uh, "Being uh, Sane in Insane Places," and uh, Rosen, who was a psychologist, this was in '73. You know, when there were more psychologists who were anti-establishment. Um, although he, I don't think he was a clinical psychologist. He was a social psychologist. But anyway, he and uh, other professionals who had no history of being, uh, quote-unquote, mentally ill, of hearing voices or no psychiatric history, pretended that they were hearing voices. Got, well, actually, they pretended they were hearing thud, thud, thud. Anyway, they got admitted into a psychiatric hospital and uh, labeled by the person doing the intake as schizophrenic. And to Rosenhan's surprise, once in, they were all under instructions to act completely normally, which they did. And to Rosenhan's surprise, they couldn't get out. <laughs> Rosenhan figured, well, I, he said this later, he figured out, I'll be there in a few days and then I'll be back home. But it took him 52 days to get out, out of the out of the mental hospital. And no matter how normal they acted, uh, the psychiatrists and psychologists uh, uh, were convinced they were uh, schizophrenic. The only people who uh, uh, suspected that they were just pretending to have breakdowns were the patients. Quite a few of the patients said, oh, you're not really crazy, blah, blah, blah. They they were taking notes, and the <laughs> psychologist... Uh, and psychiatrists interpreted the note-taking as a, a sign of a mental illness. And uh, when they did interviews, all of the mental health professionals saw signs of this mental illness in the things they wrote up in their childhood. They say the signs of schizophrenia were there when they were two or three years old, blah, blah, blah. And nobody suspected. Uh, some of them were there two weeks. Uh, Rosenhan was there, um, as I said, to close to two months. And uh, when they got out, all of them had the same diagnosis, schizophrenia in remission. And uh, these were eight of them not, and interviewed by psychiatrists and psychologists who did long interviews and wrote it up and said, as I said, interpreted every, even their normal behavior as signs of, of quote-unquote mental illness. Um, and Rosenhan uh, uh, said in an interview later that he realized that the way to get out, and this was true of all of them, was that you had to take the psychiatric drugs. This was even in 73. It's even worse now. If you didn't, so they took it. In those days, I think it was easier to flush it down the toilet. That's what they did. Nowadays, they probably stand in front of you and and make sure you swallow it. Of course, they also can give you shots of it if you're not cooperative. 
um, really what they want to crush is any kind of independent behavior, even any kind of intellectual assertion, which they call non-compliant. So, but the Rosenhan non-compliant patient means, in their eyes, as a patient who doesn't want to take drugs and make him sick, her, make her sick. Um, and um, same thing happens to um, TIs who, um, you know, try to say, "Well, look, I, I can document this. I have these books by um, Robert Duncan, John Hall, uh, et cetera." Etc. Um, uh, they get labeled conspiracy theorists and thus paranoid. Basically, any um, uh, expression of independence is a, is a sign of pathology. And once you're in a mental hospital or in any kind of setting where you're suspected of a mental illness, so uh, Rosenhan said that the only way to get out was to take the medication and to say to the psychiatrist. Yes, I know, you're right, I am mentally ill, but I feel, thanks to your treatment, that I begin to get a little better every day. <laughs> and 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 that was the way to get out, and that's really the only way uh, people can, can get out. Although, I mean, there's incentives for, for, for sometimes financial incentives for people to, for the mental health system to keep you in, in which case you have to go to a... Um, the mental health legal services lawyer and and uh and uh and you have a right to a, a hearing and if you don't uh, pass the um i actually did, uh, someone in the on the west coast uh testified for him on on the phone and he and he, he got out after he in new york it was if you don't get out the first hearing, uh, civil hearing, uh, then you have a right to a, a second hearing um, by a jury. But, you know, there are certain things that they want to hear. But, I mean, basically, when you're in a hospital, the worst thing a, a, a patient can, can do is to try to uh, reason with the psychiatrist they're complete, or the psychologist, anyone working there, completely unreasonable. I say that they, I, the way I put it is they have a consensually validated delusional system. And their delusional system is basically everybody is mentally ill and they're not admitting they're mentally ill. So if you say, I'm mentally ill, uh, that's going to make them more receptive to you. They like you better. You do have a better chance of getting out. Uh, though the, the the drugs themselves are 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 are, are very toxic, and um, the the more you take, the more toxic and the more likely, particularly the so-called antipsychotics, which is a misnomer. Um, but um, and the um, SSRIs, the antidepressants. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and um, so that's what Rosenhan said to get out. This is a guy who was a psychologist and never uh, um, had a breakdown; just pretended to get be ill. But he um, he had to say, "Yes, I realize I'm mentally ill, and um, I'm, uh, but I am feel thanks to your wonderful treatment, thanks to your treatment, that I'm getting better." 
and basically that's you have to suppress, which people find hard to do, suppress the human urge for recognition and acceptance of your personhood, of your social identity. You, you have to realize you're going to be treated like a non-person and basically accept that in that context with those people. You probably never find recognition from the majority of, of mental health professionals you know, until the messianic age or the new new age comes into existence, if that ever happens, uh, because they have their the delusional system is such, and their um, their delusions are are validated by their peers, and they're rewarded by high salaries and uh, and all kinds of perks from the pharmaceutical companies. That seems to be the case. Yeah. What What did you think about what goes on with the universities? We have a lot of discussions about this, um, <clears throat> about Western doctors and what goes on. What do you think the association is with the pharmaceuticals and the universities? Uh, uh, well, what do you mean the pharmaceuticals and the, uni- and the universities? Just the way, and, and I'm sorry if, you're, if you have to repeat yourself because I was busy in the chat and I sometimes get distracted, but um, are how close are, uh, are are the you know pharmaceutical companies to the universities because the way they even teach medicine is is pharmaceutically driven as opposed to other oh. countries where that's not the case. So it seems a very obvious inferment that you know, that these pharmaceutical companies, um, you know, have the universities in their back pocket on, as to how they teach um, people to become a doctor, you know, what they do. Oh, yeah, sure. All the medical schools were, were were originally founded by the pharmaceutical companies in the late 19... At least they took over them, uh, the medical schools, the, you know, the, um, it was the Rockefellers or the Rothschilds or whatever who owned all these big pharmaceutical companies and then... 19th century, and they they founded all the medical schools and with a pharmaceutical orientation. So um, you don't uh, people in 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 medical school or in psychology programs uh, are not uh, taught any alternative to the. Well, I mean, it, probably if I said the about the Rosenhan experiment uh, to a hundred psych, young psychiatrists. They wouldn't have heard of it either. I mean, so, you know, they're not exposed to any, um, I don't know the, uh, I, I mean, obviously the, the medical schools get lots of, uh, of money from the pharmaceutical industry. I'm not sure all the experiments that are, uh, are um, not everybody knows, but I, I guess, you know, the, the um, when the FDA passes, um, uh, a, a drug. The, the the testing is is done by the pharmaceutical industry itself. Um, I'm not sure the uh, direct connections, but uh, you won't find a, a medical school in in, in the country that uh, offers uh, any alternative to pharmaceutical. For example, um, certainly in 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 psychiatry, the um, Dominant uh, uh, line is, has been since uh, the um, psychiatrist um, APA changed their laws in 1978 in order to accept 
money from the pharmaceutical company, American Psychiatric Association. So um, they're, they're, that's all that's taught, that the, the biological, uh, pseudo-biological uh, idea. Um, I don't know who I'm, you know, I, hello? Yes, I'm listening right here. Sorry. I, I don't, you know, I don't hear people, so I, it's, uh, I, I think I'm going to, you have to ask me questions because I feel like I'm speaking into a, a kind of vacuum or something, you know? Oh, sorry about that. I have everybody muted, so yeah. I just you talk, and we, oh, I think there's a question here. Hold on one second. Okay, here we this go. So we have radio. Um, Ontario, so if you're ready, I'll go ahead and let them in. Um, I just was wanting you to be able to speak, and then I was going to allow the question. Yeah, I except I don't know what people are really interested in, so I don't just want to keep on going on and on and on and on. Yeah. I know a lot of people want to know how to advocate themselves that they're institutionalized and how to prevent it. Um, you know, I'll let them answer them. Their, they can ask their own questions. So, Ontario, go ahead. Uh, hello, uh, Doctor. Um, I'm sorry, I, I did catch your name at the beginning of your uh, speech. My name? Did you say? Yeah. Well, you call yeah, me Seth or, doc- Seth or Dr. Seth Farber. Seth Farber, S-E-T-H is my first name. Farber, F-A-R-B-E-R is my last name. Okay. Well, it's, uh, you have uh, a lot of really nice, interesting stories. Um, I have um, an experience when you were talking about the Rosenhan project or the Rosenhan experiment. I, I, experiment, I, I, yeah. How do you spell that? Uh, R O S E N. Oh, I forget it. David Rosenhan. If you look it up on Google, it'll come up on Wikipedia, and it'll be like probably four or five pages on it. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I. Um, it was interesting what you had said because uh, I've been a TI for three and a half years, and I also had a couple of uh, um, mental health experiences where I was put in the hospital and. Basically, everything you described, like everything you described, is what happened to me. Like, from their point of view, I was acting odd, which I wasn't. I was just talking about something that was going on with me. Mm-hmm. And I went in there, and I'm normal. I don't act abnormal, but I question things. That's just part of my personality, which did not right. work there. And I had to start submitting to the things that they said, and I had to take medication and, uh, you know, like make them think that what they're doing was great, and I complimented them. Like, everything you said is what I had to do to get out, and yeah. it's a nightmare. Like, And you're right. When you're put there and you're in a very vulnerable state, you're already taking somebody who's feeling damaged, and you're putting them in a horrible environment, and they're yeah. damaged further. Like, I was damaged further by being admitted to the hospital. So yeah. um, I just thank you for bringing that up, because now I kind of have something to refer to, to give an example that this is actually real, and this is something that people go through. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so now I'm going to go ahead and unmute um, Virginia. One second. Go ahead, Virginia. Feel free to ask a question to Dr. Seth Farber. 
Hi, I would thank you so much for everything that you said. It's absolutely true and absolutely perfect. And I've been studying for a long time, just mostly on my own and some years graduate studies in general psychology. But what we're doing in our TI group is if they say they're getting electromagnetic beams or they're hearing voices, then, of course, they say they are mentally ill and they put them in a mental ward and do exactly what you said, give them medication, et cetera. We had one lady in Texas, it took us two years to get her out. And uh, here's the horror of my story. I also taught law and help people with cases, but I'm not an attorney. I just help people. And they were so angry about it that they have faked a horrible law report, a horrible mental report against me. And here's what I found. They hire people in the court systems to write what they want them to write. And that's exactly what they did. And this is what we need to really work on and do something about. The only way I know to do something about it is I'm trying to get a bill introduced into the state Senate Uh that Uh the judges be questioned. And if you ever get an opportunity, please read the 19.2 law in the state of Virginia. They just rewrote it, and it's unbelievably horrible. Uh I don't know if you have any suggestions on how we could get some control of the court system. Yeah. Um, well, what were you saying? Who is it in the court system that writes things up? Because usually it's the, the judges in the, the court. Basically, the law in the state of Virginia it was simple and it was now rewritten. But it was a criminal. It's a criminal law that's used for convicts and convicted people, etc. And they're using it against people in the civil cases. Oh. And they're saying um, if you are a danger to yourself or someone else. Or if you're incompetent of taking care of yourself, then they can order you into the system. And the new write-up says the judge can order you into the system for six months. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And and then they don't pay attention to the law, and they're supposed to have a Commonwealth attorney make the motion, and he must have the evidence that you need the evaluation, and they don't do that at all. They just, uh, one time they had a Commonwealth attorney, one time they didn't have anybody. Yeah. And if you don't go get your evaluation, then you're put in jail. And then Wait a they, they make how do they pick these people out who, for evaluations? They are out anyway, and they simply say you go and be evaluated by this person that I assign you to. Uh, and that how, does, how do you come under their scrutiny in the first place? Sure. The one that works in Norfolk, Virginia, is has been doing this for 10 years, and I knew about him 10 years ago. And he wrote the most horrible report I'd ever seen in my life, and he writes whatever they want him to write. Yeah, but how and, do you come over this scrutiny? They don't just come to your house, right? Oh, anybody can pick you up on anything. What they usually do is fake a simple criminal charge like uh, disturbing the peace or... Where do um, they pick you up? They don't come to your... your, your Unless well, your family turns you in, a lot of people I know family. No, no, they have people in our system. We call them TIs, and they we call them perpetrators, and they work for the yes, police. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of those will fake a charge, and that gets you into the court system. Oh, to get you into the court system. I see. Yeah. And then from there to, to a mental hospital. And then they'll order you to go be evaluated. 
Oh, and then yeah. the evaluation is written so bad by oh, their yeah. hired person. That's the horror of it. And I saw it done in Virginia Beach, and I saw it done in it's Norfolk. It's always bad. It's bad to any for anybody who, who becomes, as I said, I worked for people who were in the family court system in the in the 90s, and anyone who was sent for an evaluation got a bad evaluation. No right. one was declared. They regard, I mean, basically, they regard everyone as, as mentally ill. So even if they have, uh, are not intentionally um, collaborating uh, with the this, this system, they're, they're going to intentionally, their goal is to get as many people under their power as possible. And they regard everybody who, who shows any sign of mental illness, any sign of independence as mentally ill. So that's going to happen once you become, once you come to their attention. That's it. And this is the problem: is what do we do with the judges who hire these people? They hire someone to write what the judge wants them to write. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. What do you do? Write a grievance about it? You no, know, then... I went. <laughs> I went in for a woman who was said to be paranoid. I went to court. And uh, they didn't want me to testify. This was in the 90s. Uh, the, the people against her, which was the child welfare system, her ex-husband who wanted custody of the of the child that she yeah. had, and child welfare, and the uh, the attorney they appoint for the child, which always goes along with the establishment, child welfare institution. And they had declared that uh, this woman was uh, paranoid because she said, the system is unjust. They're uh, colluding against me, you know, um, which was true. So when I I testified in this case, I used their own words against them. I said, well, paranoia means a pervasive distrust of people, according to the psychiatric Bible. And I'll call her Mary, doesn't have a pervasive Actually, I can use her name because she's discussed this on TV. DeAndrea doesn't have a, a pervasive uh, distrust of people. Um, she trusts me. She has lots of friends. She just distrusts the mental health system and the court system. That's not paranoid. I mean, uh, not even by your own definition. At, at the end of the, the trial, I didn't stay. I, you know, after my testimony, I left, and they continued to have witnesses, I, she sent me what the judge said. The judge said not only was DeAndrea paranoid, but she had inducted me into her paranoid <laughs> delusional system. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> and they actually said that about another uh, social worker who testified for her, too. So there were the two uh, quote-unquote mental health people who testified for her were said to be paranoid also because they said she wasn't paranoid. So, yeah. Um, it's, so what happened? What was the, what is this key? Did she keep her children? No, um, she lost custody of the child, and by the time child was sixteen, by the time the child was old enough to uh, to, to an adult and could see her on her own, she felt that she had been brainwashed by the father into. Um, so she never really developed a relationship with the with the. Child must be now about twenty-five. Yeah, but and they even put her in 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 prison for uh, partially. It was a 
her own fault for not being careful. She got on public TV and started denouncing these. NETI would know not to do this. But this was in the 90s. And uh, she wasn't a, a TI, but she was a victim of the system. She got on public access TV and, and started denouncing the judges by name. Yeah. So, um, but I did, you know, uh, the one guy who asked for a jury hearing recently, that we testified for him, he said he was going to take his medication to get out. I think that's a synchronone of getting out. And then I tell people to get off that poison not as quickly as possible, because if you've been on it for a long time, if you get off it quickly, you'll have withdrawal. But if you stay on it for years, um, um, uh, Ella was mentioning in third world uh, and underdeveloped countries where they don't have um, as many... People actually do a lot better because they don't have... uh, People on the drugs, the um, there's not as heavy uh, emphasis on pharmaceutical industries. At least there wasn't in the in the 90s. The drugs, uh, pharmaceutical industries, trying to expand. But, well, but anyway, he was able to get out by convincing the by the, you know the lawyer. If if you if you have an expert witness uh, or two. Better to have a psychiatrist, but it's almost impossible to find any psychiatrist who will testify that a patient. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I happened so. to go on to a neurologist who was a psychiatrist anyway, and in her evaluation, I was just doing tests on the nervous system to get some records that I wanted, and she wrote in her mental evaluation this woman is three times alert, blah blah blah, meaning three times okay, and you know I happen to have that. Oh, anyway, yeah. she was a wonderful lady, and uh, oh, I showed hell. that to them, and they don't pay any—they pay no attention to it, whatever. So oh, what really? I said to Ti, no, they would pay attention to it. Um, I said the Ti's who are in this going to be picked up, and uh, they're harassing them. They really need to try to get a psychiatrist and get a good evaluation first. Put it in your pocket and carry it around with you. Mm. Yeah. And, then when they there are very few uh, psychiatrists that you could tell the truth to. The only way uh, you get the psychiatrist, as I said, like in the Rosenhan experiment, and in my own experience, the only way you get the psychiatrist to um, say not, you know, there were other experiments done in the in the seven in the early seventies, uh, which fit my own experience at working working in these fields with psychiatrists. If you say that uh, you realize that you have a mental illness or at least uh, emotional problems and that their treatment is helping you, they're they're more likely to say, well, it's not that mentally ill, you know, they're less likely to... (laughs) (laughs) That is so absurd, but it's true. It's the absolute truth. Um, a lot of people given drugs have reactions to them. One lady in our group, they gave forced her to take medication. She had a stroke. Yeah. Some people wow. are allergic to drugs and they don't listen. They don't. Well, pay almost to everybody has uh, some kind of negative re- response to to um, the so-called atypical uh, antipsychotics, and they're supposed to be better than the. In the the second first generation, but they're really not. Um, 
they don't mm-hmm. maybe cause as many immediate uh, extrapyramidal side effects of, of of tremoring and spasming, but that that comes after you've been on them for several months, and and um, cardiovascular all kinds of problems come if you're on them for for years. That's a whole other story, but. Yeah, people have a number of of of, of, of negative adverse uh, reactions just to taking them in the, immediately, and uh, but basically you have to take them if you want if you want to get out. I don't think you can get out of them at all. Well, some people can't take them; they'd be dead. We had a lady on last night, and they had done all what? the things to her, and she's working on a case of workman's compensation. They ruined her spine. And she's back to square one and can't get someone to help her. Yeah. Uh, they, they ruined her spine by the drugs, are you saying? They gave her shots for pain or something, and they ruined the muscles in her spine or back. And so oh. she's working on that as a case. Yeah. But the, the court center, she went to all the people that court told her to go to, and, of course, she lost. Yeah. Oh, you mean she didn't have... Uh, the court asked her to go to their psychiatrist, and she went to their psychiatrist, and of course he said, was well, anything wrong with her? So she did not win her workman's compensation suit. What did the, the psychiatrist say? Did you say? The court said to ask her if she would ask her if she would go, which means here's the trick of the courts and the judges. They trick you into stating some method of voluntarily going to the psychiatrist they ask you to go to. And then the and psychiatrist she says uh, and she's psychotic. That, and he wrote and said there was nothing wrong with her and that uh, she was imagining it. So Oh, she, and there was nothing physically wrong with her. It was something right. psychologically wrong with her. I'm sorry. Yeah. He had been that. injured at work and then that worked into her spine. And then oh, when so they he basically it. said it was all uh, a hallucination. Right. He was psychotic. And they worked for the workman's compensation people. Yeah. What? Oh, she was trying to get compensation? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Or disability. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, you can't go to uh, to their people. I mean, the person that got out recently, uh, he, you know, he didn't get out with a jury. I mean, I, I coached him. Uh, he couldn't. He didn't take the stand. He knew if he took took the stand... He would express his anger, and even to a jury, you can't express uh, like like you're angry. They're going to be frightened. Um, but you know, they um, he only had he didn't couldn't get a psychiatrist. He had me and another psychologist. The other psychologist uh, had more establishment credentials, but I made a stronger argument that he didn't uh, belong there. That he should be free, and and the combination of us both seemed to work, and the jury freed him right away. And he was sort of surprised because, um, well, he'd been there a long time. He had said all these things that they thought were crazy about, uh, even you know, even uh, more extreme than the typical TI that he was abducted in a uh, military abduction and and had implants. This is what he said. I told him to stop talking like that if he wants to get out. And uh, I couldn't say that that happened to him because I wanted to get him out, not try to put the, the system on on trial, blah, blah, blah. Um, we just said he was under a lot of uh, 
pressure at the at the time um and uh he's now better and uh, he didn't think he'd get out because the um the jury well was a lot of people from law enforcement was, uh, i don't know how they got this kind, kind of jury i've had this happen to me and this <laughs> is what everyone needs to be told and you know this yourself they pack the jury they pick out who they want and put them on the jury yeah uh-huh. People can go to court and get a free trial because they got a jury, but the jury's packed, which calls called packing the jury. It's happened to me in other cases, different kinds of cases. Yeah, they pack the jury, they pick out who they want, put them on the jury. You can't win with the jury. You're usually better off with the judge. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, but he he didn't. The judge kept him in, and and the jury let him go. I mean, so you were lucky. his, of course, his lawyer could, could, um, you know, object to certain people being on the jury, but he said the whole jury's pool seemed to be people in law enforcement. I had a guy in charge, foreman of my jury, whom I had known years before in teaching school. He propositioned me for sex one time, and I remembered him, and he remembered me. I didn't say a word. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it was hysterical. But what we have with TIs is we have we're having too many people take their lives, and we recently lost a wonderful man. Yeah, and Corey. I didn't. Oh, what was his name? Corey. Yeah, Corey. and I was talking with Corey on the telephone, and and I don't know if he'd been to all the doctors he could find or not. Do you know? I don't know. I think he had been in the hospital, I'm not sure, and was back home, but I didn't know how to say to him, you need medication for your physical depression, and that is tough to take, and then whether or not you could get him to a private psychologist who could help him, I don't know. We talked with him about two weeks on the telephone, and then we lost him, we should not have it was too good. It was he wasn't that bad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's tragic. But what do we do to help these people when they get to that point? Yeah. I mean, what's left? They put them in a state mental hospital, and that's a horrifying experience. And what I've tried to do recently was form a committee, and maybe we can work on getting some private hospital to occasionally take one of our people in a private hospital, which might be a little bit better. What do you think? Uh, I don't think they are better. I mean, you know, there are a few places around the country that are better, but they probably uh, they probably cost money and they're probably hard to get into. Um, I'm not, you know, I mean, I knew there was a place in California. I know there's a place in Vermont, several couple places in Vermont, but they don't force to take drugs. I mean, really, the drugs are iatrogenic. The drugs are going to make you, you sicker, basically, physically and mentally. They make it harder. I mean, that's the, you know, they call them antipsychotics, but they're, they're not. I mean, they make people quieter. That's why um, psych, That's why mental health uh, people like that, the antipsychotics. You know, they, when they first, founded the antipsychotics in the in the mid 50s they followed on the lobotomy and the guy who uh invented it or discovered it 
Thorazine, the first so-called antipsychotic, said, well, we now have a chemical substitute for a lobotomy. And he was not being critical of it. He thought of that as a good thing, that you could get the lobotomy effect on the brain, turning the person into a kind of a zombie without having the um, what he considered the the negative side effects. He didn't consider turning the person into a zombie and negative side effect, but the you know the other things that went with it, the the, the loss of your ability to reason, the loss of control over your, all the kind of other unpleasant effects of the um, lobo- of the lobotomy. So they introduced. Thorazine, the first antipsychotic, and the uh, uh, one of the people in the 50s who was promoting them said, uh, when the drug works well, it uh, produces an effect on the in- individual uh, best uh, captured in the popular phrase. This was in the 50s. I couldn't. Ca- I couldn't care less. So. I think that's uh, uh, still... Yeah, but as a we had Corey with extreme physical and mental depression. What do you do to help them if you don't get in drugs? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they they have, they have uh, figured out ways to control the mind, but they use it for, for evil purposes and harmful purposes rather than helpful purposes. I mean... You know, um, I, I, it depends on how, you know, I, I don't know how to, um, it's very hard if someone's be, uh, undergoing such tor- uh, torture as uh, many people re- report. Um, you know, they, the only thing they can do well, is... Well, Cole had pain from electromagnetic beams, microwave beams, etc. I think that was his main thing. And he said oh. that was his worst pain and that was what he... And he couldn't find help anywhere. That's another problem, too. I mean, you know, they make drugs that are actually helpful and accessible to people. I mean, it, it's true that um, there has been a, an epidemic and people died from overdoses of uh, opiates. But it's also true opiates are the only effective painkillers. And a person is better off to, uh, without pain uh, than they are with pain. You know, uh, Vicodin or uh, OxyContin or something. What is uh, what does the hospital do in Vermont? Do they use natural medications or the ones you're talking about? Um, yeah, you know, they weren't oriented toward um, uh, TIs. I don't know if I have to uh, educate the. Uh, you know, there's a whole group of uh, that's developed from the 70s of. They're a small group, but there's a group of uh, professionals and mental patients who are labeled schizophrenics who are against uh, psychiatric drugs. Peter Bragan was the psychiatrist that uh, uh, wrote a book called Toxic Psychiatry. And, it's, you know, it's going to, been on television, a lot of radio shows talking about how harmful the drugs are. So they probably... Um, these are places that want to minimize the use of psychiatric drugs. They're not, they're not places that know about uh, people who are subjected to uh, uh, B2K and uh, uh, mind control uh, ty- ty- types of uh, uh, you know, no-touch torture. 
Um, but, you know, you would think they would be more uh, open-minded to that since they don't accept the um, standard uh, psychiatric protocol, which is to put people on drug uh, psychiatric drugs that, that are harmful. But, yeah, I mean... Chronic pain is another 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 issue. I mean, I would think someone who's in chronic pain uh, would want to take a, 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 have access to a drug that uh, uh, minimizes or uh, eliminates. I'm not an MD, but you know, I know know these drugs that eliminate, eliminates minimizes the pain. But I don't know whether he had pain medicine or not. He didn't say. He was just talking to us in general on the telephone. Each yeah. night he would come in and talk with us. And, and yeah, he called me once, but I, I don't remember. I didn't speak to him before he, he died, so I don't know his whole story. Well, the other thing seems to be if it's connected to, and I say it's connected to Homeland Security and they're doing it deliberately to people to keep them out of, uh, to keep them from talking about the experimentations and what's being done to people. And I think they're putting them in mental wards to keep them from talking about it so no one will believe it's really being done. Oh, yeah. Well, that's one. one, Yeah, I mean, they they tried. uh, Obviously, they... They managed to to keep this uh, secret. Um, there's an article I'm writing a uh, response to, which is taking me some time. You maybe saw it or heard of it in the in the Times, New York Times, about three months ago, in which he interviewed. I mean, you know, it was, it was just a piece saying all all TIs are are really psychotics, and this is the psychiatric line. And I believe that most psychiatrists believe it, you know, because they want to keep secrecy. So they only tell what they're really doing to a few of the people they know that are going to go along with it. The rest are are useful idiots, so to speak, you know, since they regard everyone as mentally ill. Um, they can be uh, counted on to label uh, someone who says the government is uh, is shocking me or is... Uh, is uh, um, using uh, microwaves on my brain, they can regard, uh, they can count on psychiatrists to label that person uh, mentally ill, and th- therefore they discredit him, and that's what they did in the Times. And they um, said that all TIs were um, basically psychotics who didn't want to admit they were psychotic, and they were in- encouraged. And they got a couple of... Uh, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, I was mentioning their um, article in this journal. Of, now, I believe these are a good example. But you can read Colin Ross and, and read about people who, you know, famous uh, uh, Owen Cameron, who, you know, uh, you know, were deliberately collaborating with the CIA and doing all these kind of nefarious uh, torture experiments with LSD, with uh, electroshock. But I believe that these uh, people, James and Sheridan, are useful idiots. They actually believe that uh, that anybody who says that the, the government is meddling with their brain is psychotic, and that they wrote this article in a journal that they had um, 
determine that these people were. So I read the article. They didn't determine it. Uh, the way they determined they were psychotic is they had two psychologists evaluate the reports of uh, 128 people who claimed they were, were victims of group stalking. And uh, then after the, the two psychologists agreed uh, that all 128 of these people were delusional because what they said happened couldn't have happened. Either it was impossible for it to happen. These these idiots had no knowledge of, apparently no knowledge, no reading of, of the CIA, of their history, of MK Ultra, of any of this stuff. They said it was either highly improbable or impossible. And the basis of that, just like you had the witch hunts, uh, uh, and the witch hunters, who were the most learned clergy of their time, the psychiatrists of their day, uh, would would agree that this person uh, who, you know, who had birthmarks, you may get 100% agreement that uh, a person is a witch. But there is no such thing as a witch. You know, a witch was, was the essential sine qua non of the witch was a woman who had made a pact with the devil. And she sealed that pact by either having sexual intercourse or being sodomized by the devil. It's hard to believe, but um, it's the same today. I mean, you know, but it's different now. It's secularized. But, you know, all the learned people of society were convinced that these women, as Thomas said, they were basically uh, mostly um, indigenous healers who didn't go along with the uh, the establishment of their of their day. And they got labeled witches and the uh, witch hunters who were, you know, uh, prestigious clergy with higher education agreed they were witches. And uh, so everybody else agreed. So uh, uh, Thomas Zaz, the... The clergy uh, are in a group all their own. You know that. What? The clergy are in a group all their own. You know that. Well, today is the modern clergy is psychiatry, the modern secular clergy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Alice, I'm going to um, ask, I'm going to mute you and let someone else speak. Okay, one last, one last question. What is the name of your book and how may I get a copy? Well, is it on the book? Uh, I have a few books. I have, the first book I wrote was called Madness Heresy. You can get it through Amazon. Madness, you can look at it on my website, uh, but you can buy it through Amazon. Madness Heresy and the Rumor of Angels. I wrote that in 93. That's an easy book to read. Uh, that was on people who were labeled schizophrenic and tortured in mental hospitals and got out of the system. And then I wrote a book that some people like, uh, which I thought I would get the church to, the uh, Christians to fight against the psychiatric priesthood. I didn't succeed in that. I, that was called Unholy Madness. The church has surrendered to psychiatry. And I wrote a couple more books. And then uh, my last book was on the the mental patients liberation movement from its start to its finish and also the anti-establishment psychiatrists and psychologists who wrote in the field that was called the spiritual gift of madness and uh, they're described on my website or on uh, Amazon my website is uh, Seth, sethfarber.com Are you still there? Hello? Okay, sorry, I didn't know what happened. I didn't hear you, so. Oh, yeah. Great. Then I have an, I have someone else. Um, do you want to repeat your website again so people can hear? Yeah. Um, 
W, I don't think you need the W. Seth H. Farber, S-E-T-H-H, Farber, F-A-R-B-E-R.com. I have my phone number there, too, and my email, and the books I wrote. And then I, I have uh, an article on uh, TIs on, on there, the one letter, I think it was drafted by Ra- Ramala D., and she's wonderful. I like her website a lot. She's very appreciated in the community. Everydayconcern.com. I guess everyone knows her website, right? Yeah, it's it's so well put together and the way she Yeah, works. she's a very talented writer, too, yeah. Yeah, she really is, and you are, too. And I really appreciate you coming on and speaking to everybody. I have Pennsylvania <laughs> unmuted. Do you want to ask Dr. Farber a question? Yeah, hi, Ella. Are you talking to me? Yeah. Hi. Hi, Hi, Dr. Farber. Hi. Hi. My name is Angela, and um, oh gosh, um, I've been I've been in this program now. I believe. And what? Which program did you say? I think I I don't know what program it is really, but. Oh, you've been a um, TI. Yes, a TI. Yeah. I could say. Um, I think to the highest form too, because. I uh, know you mentioned earlier that um, there was a gentleman that you said that he might have been um, had um, abducted. Chips. Well, no, well, no, not abducted, but had chips. Like, yeah, he um, said he was abducted and take, taken to a. Wow. Abducted by uh, the military and taken in a spacecraft. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. Well, I, I I can't help but think that I that. I, I know I have one. I know I do. And um, chip? You know you have a, a chip, did you say? I do, yes. Yeah. Yes. But they're often, usually it's nowadays, or at least half the time, it's without chips, right? Right. That's what okay. I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, um, it's, um, I get maybe a day out of the week where I'm, I feel okay. And yeah. then the rest of the week, there's, just days that it's really high in intensity. The pain is pretty bad. And um, I was reading on, someone sent me an email um, regarding this gentleman from Australia. His name is John Finch. Have you ever heard of him? Or No. I mean, the name uh, sounds familiar, but I don't know who he is. Who is he? He's this guy who I guess has been um, under this TI program since 2002. And he's from Australia, and he's um, just putting out a lot of information. And he was talking about how he is um, under two-way radio in Orwellian surveillance through the media. Have you ever he's heard under two-way like radio and what did you say, or- Orwellian, did you say? Or- Orwellian, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, surveillance through the media, through what, TV, too. No, I never heard of the TV. I heard of the computers. Computers. Cell phone. Yeah. I don't know. I just wondered, because he described this in a lot of detail. And it Uh it was really really interesting what he was saying. He said he has, like, no privacy whatsoever, you know, no matter where he goes or what he does. And he's... Does he um, have... Does he put this online? This... Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I just it was curious because I was reading it and I thought, well, this is something different that I haven't heard mentioned yet. Yeah. So, you know, I just wondered what you thought. 
Um, but he's under ceaseless satellite surveillance too. Like the, uh, I guess it's the remote remote neuro monitoring. Uh huh. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's what's happening to me or not. But my question to you, it's kind of personal, so I apologize to anybody else who's not going through this. But um, I sometimes I I I'm here in in a certain city where all this happened to me, where I pretty much. Um, grew up. I wasn't born here, but I grew up here. And where is it? Can you say where it is? Sure. It's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah. 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 And I think about moving only because um, I don't know. Winters are tough for me, and uh, I just think, well, maybe a better or a change of scenery might help. But oh. I'm not really sure it will with this um, ceaseless, you know. Uh, satellite. If that's what I mean, uh, a change of scenery would help, even if the um, if the targeting continued at, at the same intensity. Right. I don't know. No, not if it's probably not. That's the thing. I don't know. Oh, sometimes it helps to be in the be in a more rural environment, uh, doesn't it? Have, sometimes. Have yeah. Going out to the country. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this thing can pretty much pretty much follow you anywhere. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, Ramala D went to England and she found this found the same thing, you know. Yeah. But, uh, what about what about and when I was um, under a lot of pain, I didn't know what the heck was going on. So a lot um, of pain? Did you say? A lot of pain. Yeah. Really. Oh. Really really bad yeah um yeah and it still comes and goes it still can be quite horrendous yeah but um yeah i um uh, did make the mistake i used to um i used to detail uh, a uh anti-epileptic drug called um depakote and oh yeah that's that's yeah. pretty bad for your liver or your kidneys or something yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, they uh-huh. psychiatrists use it. They call it a a mood stabilizer. Stabilizer, right? Another one of the euphemisms to make it sound like it's very um, technical and scientific, like it stabilizes the mood. Yeah. And, and I don't know. Use... If I'm getting what? payback for payback from God for selling this drug for nine years. I don't for doing what? That. For taking the drug? Did you say? No, for for selling it. <laughs> It. You would sell it to the market for the the drug, as you're saying. A block. I would de- I would detail it. I would what does that mean? It. it means I would go in and speak, make appointments, and speak with psychiatrists and um, neurologists and talk about the side effects and the good, the good and the bad, and the ugly. Which I was a good rep because I always talked about the ugly. Wait a minute. And I was, I'm not sure. You you mean you're saying you were doing this and getting you were doing this legally and getting paid for it? She was yes. a pharmaceutical rep. Oh, you didn't yes. say it. She didn't say that. Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant you were doing it on the black market or something. No, no. pharmaceutical rep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was a rep for um, nine point three quarters of a year, and I got fired right before my ten year tenure. And um, they fired me for. Oh. Uh, yeah, they fired me for some stupid reason, and then I was put in this program. And um, wow. I, they thought I was a whistleblower, and uh, 
you know, it was really wild because I didn't, you know, I didn't get a dime or a penny from any of this. But the state ended up, right when this happened to me, like, they they ended up with um, $500 million for um, um, this drug, that, this drug I told you, um, being detailed without um, an indication. So the what? State, Wait a minute. What does that mean? It was detailed without an indication. What is? Oh, you mean without an indication to take the drug? Is that what you mean? Correct. Like it had three indications for the drug. There were three indications for it. One was mania associated with bipolar disorder. Yeah. Were, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the other was for epilepsy. And then the other indication it had it was for um, migraine headaches. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I talked about this medication for a long time, and apparently they thought that I think they thought I was a danger because I wait a minute I they like, they being your employers the, the, the employers yeah the employers yeah. Mm-hmm. because I would talk about things that you know were um, probably not permitted to be talked about like I, I I would I would say things that you know that I disagreed with and I was pretty open about it. In meetings, you know, all that kind of you stuff. Mean, you mean about the negative effects of the drug? Is that what you mean? Negative effects of the drug, correct. I was very against um, children taking yeah. the drug. Um, yeah. And I let that be known, and I didn't like that. I also let it be known that I didn't appreciate, you know, how many drugs were going through all the... Um, you know, uh, I knew how much was going through the prisons and... and, and all of the uh, state facilities and stuff like that, and I, I think they thought I was, um, I could potentially become, you know, um, yeah, a whistleblower. So Did anyway, you read that book by the drug rep? Who, I can't think of her name now. I read it about four years ago. That drug rep who became a whistleblower. Uh, yes, there's a couple. Yeah. Which which one was it? Do you know? I know there's a That's couple of name I would know, but I my memory is as I've gotten older, my memory's gotten bad. I read the book four years ago. I I don't do you do you know the mm-hmm. the name name of either of the people? I've read a couple of them. I can't remember their names right now. Yeah. My, my brain's been fried. <laughs> but um Yeah. Yeah. So I've been in this program. I don't you know, I also went through a divorce, so I'm not sure if it was or who I have you mean a divorce <laughs> after you got uh, your um, employment terminated? Correct. Um, like um, a month after I was fired. Gee, so you had everything happen all at once. Right. Right. Yeah. And I was I was put in this program and didn't realize why I was in so much pain, but now I do. And yeah. I, I, I mean, like, you hadn't heard of. Uh, TIs or any of that stuff no. before. No, yeah. I, yeah. It was. I was completely under surveillance. I could not send out or receive an email to save my life for three and a half years. I had oh. my. Yeah, it was really, really bad. So obviously, the drug the drug company put you on on this program, as you call it, right? That's what I. I yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that makes That's sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I never went to court. I never said a word to, you know, anybody in in, in any court system. 
or anything like that. I never got a dime. So I don't know, you know, where this really came from. Some, Of course, you know, there were a couple people that probably just didn't like me. And yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, to come out against the um, drug uh, uh, company is, uh, is, I would seem, think would be an, uh, sufficient. Right, right. But um, I just, you know, I just don't know if there's anything I can do about it. I mean, I, I it's just, you know, my whole life has been ruined. Mom, I, my, my funds are depleted. I, um, I am in a lot of pain, and I don't get any respect from the medical, uh, uh, you know, even the doctors around here. Don't believe me with this. I, I know. I think I do have an implant here, an implant thing. Some believe me, some don't. But. Everybody wants to know, you know, why I can't get back in the saddle and work again like I was. I want to, but sometimes my head is so fried. I mean, it's just, and they don't know what goes on at at night, you know, when I'm trying to sleep and all this static that goes on in my brain and um, the pain that you endure. But uh, I I was, um, I actually... uh, was talking to some friends when I was in a lot of torment. I mean, and I was in a lot more pain than I am right now about yeah. three years ago on a daily basis. Wow. And they said, well, why don't you just go and talk with uh, some of the, you know, the psych- psychiatric um, team that you were talking with. Yeah, that's what the average person thinks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I did, and then you know where I ended up. Yeah, well, this is why I'm trying to tell people that that what supposedly common sense, you know, I just have a hard time believing uh, that people still believe this because I've been against the system for since '85, and you know, I met people in '89 when I was in my late 30s who, you know, who were mental patients who were against the system, and I guess I hadn't wasn't, you know, with all this stuff books that have come out about uh you know how the drug companies are making money and so on and so on i just wasn't aware that almost everybody still uh believes that there's some legitimacy to the mental health system and you know there isn't it's not like um uh, physical diseases it's not like they have they have real diseases and real tests to determine that you have diseases I mean, I mentioned the Rosanen experiment. The other kind of uh, interest, there are a number of interesting things, but, you know, the other thing is, you know, up until 1973, homosexuality was yeah. considered by the, you know that then, it was yeah. a mental disorder. And then yeah. in 1973, nothing in homosexuals changed, but psychiatry ch- uh, changed because, there was a lot of lobbying by homosexual uh, gay lobbyists, I mean gay psychiatrists within the uh, mental health field. But, but the interesting thing is the way they changed it from a, a mental illness into a non-mental illness. They didn't say, well, we made a mistake and, or whatever. Um, they just, you know, uh, they took a vote. They took a vote. Uh, they voted whether it <laughs> And that's how they determine all, because uh, the whole idea of, of mental illness is just a uh, a way of stigmatizing people who are having problems in life or who deviate from, you know, the social norm in one way or another. 
So um, overnight, as a result of the American Psychiatric Association voting, it was a close vote. If it, if if you know, it's fifty-five percent were in favor. If it had gone the other way, it would still be an illness. <laughs> right, right. Or you know, it would have for another few years. Yeah. yeah. I always like that too, and I said this DSM, you know, and I was so outspoken. I, I know I probably shouldn't have been, but what really floors me is that I spoke with these psychiatrists for nine years and ate dinner with their families, you know, that kind of thing. And no one once said, you know what, I think you might need a an antidepressant or an atypical antipsychotic. Not once. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, now you need the whole cocktail. Yeah. And that's what really floors me. Um, how can I, for 9.5 years, be sane, quote, unquote, and then all of a sudden, they get this whistleblower flag, and now I'm mentally ill. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, uh But I just yeah. maybe... You know, that happened to one of the whistleblowers, too, right? One of the top whistleblowers, right. Russell Tice. Right, right. You know that? Yeah. Everyone knows that, that he was declared psychotic by two psychiatrists that, who examined him said he was schizophrenic, and two said there was nothing wrong with him. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of thing doesn't happen. And for all the limitations of, of medicine, at least uh, they determine scientifically whether someone has a, a disease, so that... You know, you don't have a vote whether someone has pneumonia or not. Right. Um, have you ever heard of anybody getting out of this program or or having um, just a release of symptoms from being a TI? Yeah, but they seem to be the, the famous people who are, you know, targeted for a brief period of time and then they're not targeted, right? Oh. I mean, supposedly okay. Duncan was targeted and then they... I don't know what they're doing now. I don't. I don't want to jinx him or anything. I don't know. But I suppose he was targeted, and then he wasn't targeted. And you you read about people who um, who are who are um, persecuted, if not targeted, uh, and sometimes targeted, and then they stop. But they seem to be famous people who who attract attention, and then they can't remember who I read this uh, about. Uh, it could have been. It could have been uh, someone like, um, what's his name, uh, Drake or someone like that. I don't know. But no, I haven't. No, I haven't spoken to an ordinary person, unfortunately, who said it stopped. Mm-hmm. I have heard people who said it got uh, less. Yeah. Less intense. Um, I I just wanted to ask a question, and. Uh... Angela, I think you're really brave to stand up to the pharmaceuticals. Um, Thank you. But, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you really deserve a lot of respect. And as yeah. far as the job, <clears throat> I think you should. I think you should sue them. I but, can't. Um, I can't get a lawyer. <laughs> well, that's all going to change. We've we've got we have expert witnesses now. We have uh, Seth, right? We have yeah. you, and we have um, <clears throat> Professor uh, Curtis Bennett, and we have Magda Hobbes, and now we have uh, Paul Bacho, and we have. 
uh, Dave Boyd. You have all kinds of uh, um, mm. professional uh, expert witnesses. What I wanted to ask you is, um, could I call you? I found your phone number. It was You're talking to me now, or yes. the woman? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you can call. You found my phone I, number. I kind of have. Uh, I have like three issues that are really important, and uh, I'm wondering if you, if uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know, Ella. Ella, you seem to be really good at organizing stuff. If we could have, like, um, you know, like some kind of a panel with uh, you in it and, like, yeah. uh, Dave Voigt, uh, Curtis Bennett, Paul Batcho, mm-hmm. all these people who, um, you know, who really know, you know, and even you, Angela, because you've been uh, a professional in the field, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. If we could have, like, a panel or something. And then um, we also have somebody who had a, <clears throat> who did settle. Uh, what? That was, somebody settled that he, uh, I think. Oh, he got a, a, um, a, comp- a financial compensation, you mean? Right, and and um, I told, I mean, I think all of us are owed a financial uh, compensation, and particularly the children who've been damaged by this. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm wondering if if Ella, if you would be uh, willing to like help set up a panel so that you know, I mean, we have all these crooked judges and they have, you know, even some of the FISA supposed judges aren't even judges. They are just police officers, you know, and uh, on these secret courts and everything for how they determine that we're going to be targeted. And and they keep calling me a racist. I am not a racist, you know, And, and then they get these why, why do they call you a racist? Because they're idiots. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, like, for example, I was at the library today, and there was this guy, and he he said he had insulted me the other day, and he said, he said what you need is some blank, you know, or whatever. What you need is what? Some, you know. Uh, oh, oh. You know. Sexual kind. And, yeah, and, and then and I said, well, you know, I ha- I have a lover, and he said, "No, you don't." And it was just really insulting. So uh, when he came into the library today, I had my stuff plugged in, and he went right over to where my stuff was. So I moved it, and I moved from the table. And then they want to call me a racist for moving when this guy was really insulting to me, and well, I didn't really guy... want him to have access to my equipment. You're saying the guy was a black man? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, uh-huh. but I mean, that doesn't you make any me other, racist. I want to be supportive of you, but do you mind if we ask questions? Just we can, in about, let's see, maybe in about 30 minutes, we can get to the support aspect of this call. So will you hold on and we'll talk about that in around? In about well, no, I don't really want to talk about that. Yeah, you okay. I'm just you saying that that's what's, what's happening. And 
what I would like to have happen is for um, all of these expert witnesses that we're that you're getting bringing together here, Ella, into a panel that we can use so that we can start getting compensated for being put in, put into these bogus programs. Yeah, we're working on a panel, and we're, I'm working on a group um, that we're trying to get together. I don't know about getting um, reimbursed. I mean, that would be ideal. I think the first thing is educating the masses and um, getting people together and having discussions about what we can do positively, move in that direction. Um, yeah, it would be nice. Oh, I mean, so you're not you're not going to form a panel? I, you know, I, mean, well, I will. I'm all working these on a things. Panel. Every every time they have like uh, these panels of of TIs or whatever, nothing ever gets done. So. I'm well, just, that's, I'm that's just like wondering uh, if we could have a panel of the experts. The yeah, expert do me a favor. Will you write down my email and we'll discuss it further? I like your idea, and I'm kind of working on something similar to that because there are really great people in our community, and everybody's got something to give and to contribute, and right. we're trying to get together and come up with ideas. Um, but certain things have I have been- your email. Oh, you do great because and, uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to take up a lot of time with this. I just wanted to ask if I could uh, call. Yeah, that. yeah. My, my, my number six four six seven zero seven three six nine three. Okay, thanks. Seth. What what is it? Six four six seven zero seven three six nine three. Three six nine three. Thanks, Doctor Farber. Yeah. Okay, um, let's see. I'm going to go ahead and anybody else have questions for Dr. Farber? Um, He has great advice. Uh, Like I said, he's been such an um, instrumental person in this community. Um, He's one of the first people I heard speaking when I became uh, involved with the community. And, uh, um, yeah, he, you know, you're really a hero, and I know I really appreciate you. You're not even targeted, and you do all this work for us, and you advocate for us, and you... You know, you make these great contributions, and um, I'm just very appreciative of you as an individual and um, as a doctor. And I know many, uh, many of much of what you say, we can all identify with because nobody wants to be labeled crazy when they're not. And we yeah. all know that um, the whole goal is to get people put away that know too much. You know, and yeah. It's really, really awful. Some of it's just so we, we to discredit. Some of it's because we know way too much, and you know, just different reasons. You know, they don't want people yeah. walking around with all this information, and so we have to do everything right. we can, you know, um, and to help each other out because this whole program um, is, you know, basically to destroy us. So we have to hang on to what we do have, and. Um, do the best we can, and, you know, this is about Dr. Farber right now, but there, we have a lot of ideas, you know, we're in, this, we're in the right direction, and I've heard from old-timers who I've recently had the opportunity to have conversations with that whatever's going on this year is in the right direction, that there's a whole, you know, um, that she's very impressed about what's happened in the past year in the community, minus the dissolution of FFCHS, that was a, a negative uh, something negative that the community had to endure, and I wasn't even in the community then, but I've heard all about it. And um, but overall, um, you know, some of these people that have been around for twenty something years say that something's going right, that we're making progress, 
You know, there's social media, we have the Internet, we have media, and the media is more receptive. You know, if you word it right, the media will listen. And I've spent months with David Voice, and we're learning what to say to open the door so he can say whatever he needs to say to get this information out there. So we have to give them a little by little. We can't tell them the whole, we can't tell them the whole shebang, shebang right off the bat. You have to educate them slowly. So just know that, you know, things are getting out, and um, we have people like Dr. Farber on our side. We have uh, really great people, and um, it's uh, something to be hopeful about. And hope's a word that a lot of us have problems with. Um, but there is. There's a lot of reason to feel hopeful, and a lot of old-timers tell me that. They're like, you know what? This newer crop of you know people that are coming into the circle, um, we should feel lucky, you know, that we came in a good time. So, um, but the thing, the thing about it is, though, what if you know, what if you're in so much pain you can't tolerate waiting much longer? Yeah. Well, you just have to, you know, Angie. We have to take it day by day. When we're in pain, we just wait for it to pass. That's all we can do. And when it passes, you were asking about people that get out of the program. Well, I've been um, having in-depth conversations with a very, very intelligent guy who knows how to research. And he told me that he has done research and there are successful people out in the world that do get out of the program. But you know what they do to get out of it? They do activism. They become such a threat to the program that they let the people go and and continue on to their normal lives, like maybe Dr. Duncan. Maybe that's what's happened to him. Um, Maybe he was released because he had a lot of power. He had a lot of clout. People believe him. He has the credentials. You know, so... You know, with that and all the activism he was doing, you know, they might have let him go. He still did the activism. It's still there. It's still there's a digital imprint. So if you want to, you know, do a lot of activism, they might let you go. Sometimes I can't because sometimes I'm in way too much pain to even get out of, get my shoes on and try to go to my job. Then by the time I'm, uh, you know, I am done with my job, I am. I'm so exhausted. Sometimes my, it's like, it's the weirdest thing. I never slept. I I sleep I slept maybe five or six hours a night on the weekends. Oh. I hardly ever slept, but um, now it's just like I I don't know. It's just kind of my brain gets staticky and it feels funny. And I lay down and it's like I'm comatose. And then I get up and I'm so full really of sweat double. and my ears are ringing out the yin yang. I can't even see to walk. I can't turn my computer on hardly because that causes me pain. And I, yeah. I want to get out there, and I want to do things. It's like everything I'm doing, and nobody believes me. That's the bad thing. They they wonder why I'm not working full-time, um, why I'm only working part-time. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, if you want me to die, <laughs> this is the way it's going to go. I mean, it's, that's that's the thing. And if I was out of this program or had some, um, you know, lawyer that wanted to step up to the plate and help me now, you know what, I, I could do – all the activism in the world. Um, and I, 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 I just feel like, uh, you know, my patience is running thin. <laughs> and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to really try not to go over the deep end here or, or, or you know, uh, I, I'm not one to commit suicide because I really like life. <laughs> I have a real compassion for being able to swim in the river or the ocean or the lake and, and eat something good. But, um, I don't know. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's yeah. really tough. Yeah. And yeah, this waiting game. Is, you know, that's why I thought about you know moving. Maybe maybe moving might might help. Mhm. Do you think it would help, Dr. Farber? Hey, Angie. I'm gonna um let California speak just for a minute, and we'll get back to oh. you. 
Okay, um, thank you so much for letting me um, speak. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Dr. Farber. Dr. Farber? Mm-hmm. Hello? California? It was California unmuted you? She might have muted yeah. herself back. Hold on one second. Okay, let's see. Well, we have Virginia. She has another question. Hi, Virginia. She might have muted herself, too. Oh. Okay, hold on one second. And then I can let you go. Um, Well, what do you suggest? Oh, hold on. There's Southern California. Hold on. Southern California, am I muting you? Hi, Hi, my name is Sunny. And I'd like to ask the doctor, um, do he think that we're in a program or is, is this a genocide type of activity? Hard to hear. There's a lot of static. I don't know if it's my, just me. I didn't hear what you said. In a program or what? Or, or genocide. Yeah. Genocide what? activity. Program or genocide activity? Um. Well, it, it it doesn't seem to be uh, uh, it doesn't seem to be um, a, a um, designed to um, uh, kill uh, actually kill the people. Um, is that what you mean, Gen- by yes. genocidal? I mean, to, mm-hmm. yes. Right. Is this related to the genocide back in the day and the? 30s and 40s and 50s. Well, they still have depo- depopulation pro- programs uh, uh, in the country. Uh, um, I mean, in the in the world. Um, but um, this doesn't seem to be the. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be the the goal of it. Uh, goal of it seems to be. Um, although it obviously being exposed to these types of. Uh, uh, radiation is is not healthy, but uh, mm-hmm. the, the goal seems to, to be they seem to be a, a, a I mean they 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 tested radiation on half a million people in the 60s and and 70s. The goal right. goal, goal seems to be that either it's really hard to say because the the people who who've done this I mean if you look at MK Ultra and COINTELPRO. I mean, these seem to be very um, strange, uh, and uh, people who are designing these programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, a number of them are actually, you know, uh, uh, how many of us? A few thousand were, were bought over um, Operation Paperclip. Mm-hmm. You know, were Nazi scientists. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie Doctor Strangelove. But uh, it seems like such a strange, loving uh, kind of things they're doing, and uh, you, you read about the the military, and uh, um, and it, it's it's like um, hard to fathom, uh, really, what motivates these people that they could be so. I mean, they're so sociopathic, so oblivious to the pain they're they're causing other people, and. And then, see, so you have the people up at the very top, and then you have the, the people perpetuate, per, perpetrating, uh, 
Mm-hmm. They may have different motives, but I mean, motives suggested were certainly testing and perfecting their technology uh, has always seemed to be an, an, an aim of uh, CIA programs, MK Ultra, and okay. uh, and they don't, you know, they're oblivious to um, the fact that they're uh, testing it, and then the military has uh, these really seem to me. Uh, crazy ideas of fighting all these, you know, they're very you read some of their literature Nick Nick Begich talks about it and in, in his book I was reading on uh, controlling the human mind they're very excited about the idea they seem, you know, these generals and all, of uh, of using directed energy technology to win wars and they their vision is you develop this tremendous, really awesome technological power that allows you to uh, control and influence, invade the you know the inner sanctum of the what what used to be considered uh, the inner sanctum of the individual soul um, brain, and and you and you can control it, and and they seem very excited over having that kind of power, and. Uh, you would think that with that power, uh, you know, that they would want to do something to, to benefit uh, humanity since they have such technological power. But all they seem capable of being enthusiastic about uh, and, and writing about is weaponizing this technology mm-hmm. that's developed by the military. So as it's developed, it's, it's weaponized, it's classified, and so someone comes up with a new technology, he's given the, the choice of uh, working for the military or shutting down his operation. So it doesn't become used to uh, uh, benefit. Uh, you know, that seems to be... A, so, uh, you know, they have these... If you read their writings, they have this vision of, of, of wars going on forever and fighting these wars with uh, the best technology as they see it. And I guess they think that this will enable them, quote unquote, to to win these wars against the enemy, whoever the enemy is, Russia, Iran, or China, or the terrorists, so-called terrorists, etc. Most of whom are funded by the United States, the United States allies. Um, so the whole thing is very bizarre, and um, so. And the other thing is, they also talk about using the um, this weaponry they've developed against adversaries, as they call them. Mm-hmm. And adversaries is is obviously includes domestic adversaries, and as they define it, and it's anyone who has uh, different or, or ideas they consider dangerous. So, um, so then you know another purpose uh, of, of this. Um, Technology seems to be to use it for social control, um, you know, to discourage what they consider enemies of the United States. And they've uh, completely, I mean, you know, most of the um, the whistleblowers, um, in fact, everyone, I think, uh, of the whistleblowers that became famous, I mean, the ones that actually had proof, you know, unlike... Um, Duncan, who doesn't have proof and hasn't uh, been, you know, his word and his testimony hasn't been taken 
you know they they don't they won't expose they won't ex- expose it in the in the press like he, he was interviewed by um uh McFate, the guy who wrote the article for the, the times and uh, um the times mentions his book uh what was it the book that had demon in the title just to kind of ridicule him but they say nothing about his credentials, his uh, multiple graduate degrees from, you know, Harvard and other Ivy League schools, his work for the um, NS- CIA, NSA, military, nothing about that. So, um, um, at any rate, so that an, an, another uh, uh, uh Advantage in their mind uh, seems to be. The, oh yeah, I was going to say the the other people who were whistleblowers uh, exposed the degree of surveillance, uh, like uh, Benny and uh, Drake, mm-hmm. and they all said that um, that the reason I mean they worked for the NSA for twenty thirty years. Oh, and then there's um, what's her name, uh, Catherine uh, Stewart. Um, work for 30 years. I mean, they all said that uh, when they went into this intelligence agency, they, they took an oath not to the agency, not to the president, but to the Constitution. So oh. the violation of, of the constitutional rights is, 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 is considered to be um, not only unethical, but practically sacrilegious uh, for these whistleblowers who are patriots. Uh, and, you know, and Snowden also is clearly mm-hmm. probably the most famous uh, of them. Robert, I mean, Oliver Stone making finished a movie about him, so he'll be more famous. Um, you know, the violation of the Constitution, but this doesn't enter into the minds of these people, so in order to understand what their um, their purpose is, you have to understand their their twisted minds. I mean, I think to the probably the average person isn't this kind of twisted sociopath, so it's not exactly really easily comprehensible. But um, just judging from their own uh, writings, it seems to be uh, to to um, um, develop to use this for as experimental. To experiment on on the American population, and also um, perhaps to create an atmosphere of, and then there's things that that are unclassified that we don't read. This is just a little bit that that you know that drip, dribbles out uh, into the public arena, um, um, you know, um, to control to keep the population. Um, uh, from rebelling against uh, and from becoming a, a threat to um, the uh, established order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then, you know, I mean, there are programs that are intentionally designed, I'm sure, I can't think of any right now, to actually kill, other, uh, kill the uh, targets of the program. Like, um, for example, Lauren Moret says that the um, Illuminati or the New World Order is uh, carrying on a covert uh, nuclear war against the population in order to, to um, uh, reduce the population. Well, they're actually making the Earth uninhabitable. So, 
even with their underground cities, I, I don't know what they're, they're planning on doing. But, you know, the um, uh, Lauren Moret believes, and so do a number of uh, people who've uh, written about the what I call the deep state, that um, Fukushima wasn't an accident. Well, you know, it continues to leak every day, like 400 tons of radioactive waste into the Pacific. This has been for three years now. Wow. Yeah. So some of these programs do seem to be uh, designed to, to kill, but uh, it seems like uh, mostly they're, they use these programs indifferent to the uh, long-term effects on people's health, mm-hmm. and with the main goal in mind being that of uh, feeling they, they can control both what they consider external enemies and domestic right. adversaries. I mean, COINTELPRO, they used it against, the I was using it against um, the, the New Left and the Black um, Liberation Movement of the 1960s. Mm-hmm. So, population to reduce the population. Yeah, well, I don't think that's that's one one of the goals. So it was clearly the goal of. Uh, I mean, uh, if uh, uh, Fukushima was done on pur- intentionally, that could have been that would have been the the, the purpose of it to make uh, people sick, particularly in Japan. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think that's the, the I don't know but I don't think that doesn't seem to be the main purpose of uh, I mean if they could kill people they could kill people um, quicker and and simpler I mean they do they have they've assassinated quite a few people who have uh, I mean the well known ones Martin Luther King um, uh, the Kennedys. Um, yeah. But other other whistleblowers, I mean, a lot of people have been do- uh, dying recently just for, if you read the paper, the, the, people, the guy who served papers against the Democratic uh, uh, Party and so on and so for um, um, you know, what he claimed was, you know, rigging the election, This was the, the primaries. I don't know if you read about that. But uh, yeah, to, the goal, I can't, doesn't seem that that's the goal of, of uh, from from what I've read so far, the program is doesn't seem to, to be the goal. Doesn't seem to be to, to kill them, but to use them as experiments in a in a test and mm-hmm. to keep the population under control. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I don't background know. Background noise. Can you go ahead and hit star six. You um. Okay, well, um, let's see about some more questions. And thank you very much, Doctor, for your answer. Yeah, yeah, I'm speculating, really, on the basis of what I read. Yeah. Um, what, is there, like, a common, um, a common denominator when you talk to targets that um, you hear something similar that seems to work for them as far as shielding or activism that you find to be successful? Well, no, the activism doesn't, I mean, none of them say the activism really helped. Well, you talk about people who become well-known activists, um, like Duncan and so on and so forth. Uh, and they don't seem to get uh, targeted for long periods of time, as you say, but sometimes they go 
you don't know where the line is. They go too far, they could be murdered, assassinated. And we know I, that historically to be true. Bell, I'm thinking, what's his name? Bell, uh, Fred Bell. Yeah. Bell's brother, yes. Yeah. Whistleblowers in general, I'm going to hear so much information. I'm learning more every day because I really found a niche niche with that. Whistleblowers, I'm really um, intrigued with it, and I'm really, I mean, there are, they're the people that I actually look up to. You know, I know a lot of people are really into celebrities, this, that, and the other, but the whistleblowers, the things they do and the chances they take because in, in the name of what is right and in the name of our Constitution and what America represents, I mean, those are the people we should be looking up to. And the more I read about them, the more impressed I am, the chances they take and what they've lost and what they've sacrificed yeah. to tell the truth. You know, that's just something I'm really passionate about right now. Yeah, well, it's uh, interesting how... Um Tom Drake ends up as a clerk in an, in an Apple store. Sure. He was yeah. in the senior ranks of the NSA for yeah. 30-something years. No, 28, 28 years, I guess. Yeah. But you do, with that said, though, you do say that one medication when someone's really heavily targeted, like a benzodiazepine, helps with the target. Oh, yeah, right. Well, I mean, some people claim, claim that, um, say that... Um, what do you call it? Copper mesh, I've heard. There, and then uh, one guy claimed building a Faraday case ha- helps, but a lot of people say that doesn't help. Uh, yes, and John Duncan has, has recommended uh, Valium. Right. And um, Short term, yeah. Just an as-needed basis, yeah, because that is a very addictive drug. Well, you develop a tolerance to it, so it's best not to um, take it every day for more than a month. Yeah, so if you take it, at, you know, on a less uh, frequent basis, it's not as uh, it's not as toxic a drug as the antipsychotics or, or the. Uh, I mean, if people have a t- tendency to be addicted, or uh, I guess they, you know, obviously there are people on the who take that drug on the on the black market to get high, blah blah blah, yeah. um, as well as the, um, and they, you know, it's very hard to get drugs that are painkillers like these days. You know that they, the government clamped down on it, especially for TIs, anyone who's been psychiatrically labeled at all. But um, those are painkilling killing drugs. So whether they can, I mean, I've heard people also tell me that they they can. Of course they can. I mean, we know they can cause, through electricity, cause chemical changes in the brain. So some people say that, I mean, some people take them, but other people, and find they're helpful. Other people say that they help at first, but they have to keep changing because they'll uh, nullify the effect of the drugs. And then I also recommend people to, um, this is all on an experimental basis, really, because, you know, to listen to various different tapes that are intended you know, video and particularly audio tapes or VDs or CDs. You had suggested to me on a one-on-one conversation, and it was priceless to me, and I've heard it before, but coming from you, of course, always adds um, credence to it. You said, you know, the Delta tape, maybe you can share that with the community, because I find what you suggested does help for sleeping, you know, for anybody who gets B2K or you get the the chat yeah. bot, whatever that is. Yeah, you said it did help at first, so it's still helping. That's good. Yeah, it helps when I'm able to do it or when I remember to do it or when it's convenient. You know, sometimes you're so tired, you just lay there 
and you just, you know, forget to do the same things that are good for you. You know, yeah. and I have found, like, melatonin, we all agree that melatonin seems to work. And I guess with all the microwaves, it somehow confuses your body. It, it, it interprets, it, interprets it as light, and it does something to the melatonin. Our natural producing melatonin in our brain isn't, you know, functioning properly. The ability to, to, to uh, manufacture that naturally, so we do need to take melatonin. I, I, I myself take that, and I find it to be extremely beneficial. So anyone who hasn't heard that before, I highly suggest that. And um, these days, you know, I sleep better. I'm not a target, but I, uh, I didn't used to sleep. Well, I sleep better since I've started using a, uh, one of those eye 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 masks. Yeah, yeah, those definitely work. And then earplugs, I heard works. And I but the um, the cheapest the tapes are. Um, uh, you can get these alpha wave tapes and delta wave tapes and theta wave tapes. On Amazon for like, I mean CDs. I mean they're not nothing is tapes anymore. I'm still saying tape. Um, but, but Jeffrey Thompson, Doctor Jeffrey Thompson, puts them out. I mean there are companies that that actually put out these things and they say it they, they charge say it leads. Their marketing is that it leads to an enlightened state that you can get in a state. But their tapes are not that different from Jeffrey Thompson and uh, Thompson's, and they they cost more money. As you can get for fifteen or twenty dollars on Amazon, but that's one kind of uh, tapes that uh, cause the waves. And then the some people like the binaural beat tape, and some people don't like it. And then there are all kinds of subliminal uh, tapes. Um, that guy's name, El- Eldon Taylor. Um, and then there are video tapes that have subliminal and on uh, abundantmind.com. They have video and tapes. Um, people say, have told me, when you keep changing them, it it, ha- it helps because uh, maybe this, the um, perpetrators don't pick up on it uh, right away. Yeah, and I really think, too, I had a discussion with another TI today, and we were talking about the use of, like, MP3 and using your cell phone um, to download it or whatever may not be the best way to do it, that actually having something autonomous, free of Wi-Fi, would be the best, you know, your best um, um, way of uh, listening, like buying a CD. You said get a CD and get an old-fashioned CD player. You know, you still have batteries so that can, you know, be used, but um, yeah. it's better than mp3 or anything digital we should stay away from digital anything digital so i like that idea of using cds as opposed to mp3 formats or something yeah, which is I never, mm-hmm. yeah let's see if we have any more questions and then we'll let you go anybody have any last minute questions for him i think that's it Okay. Okay, Well, thank you so much. You know, I really, really appreciate you individually, and I know as a group we all appreciate you, and thank you for everything you do for us and talking to people and taking time out of your day to be supportive of our community and advocating for us and just everything you do. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Dr. Farber. Okay. Thanks, Ellen. Okay. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Okay. On that note, I'm going to go ahead and unmute the recipe 108. Hit star eight and we can chat and give support. Now's the time for that. Okay, Oregon, I'm going to go ahead and unmute you. Hi. 
Oregon. Anybody else want to talk and join a conversation? We can start a conversation. Yeah, um, uh, for Noble Truth, he is aware of targeting. Um, he's very TI friendly. Um, he's advocating written letters on our behalf. He um, offers counseling service, um, but not in the standard traditional way because he's not a big fan of psychology in general. But he is highly supportive and he has a good ear to listen. So. Um, I suggest contacting him. Hold on. Hi, New York. Hi. Hi. Um, I live on the East Coast, and I didn't hear the the, the phone call uh, with Dr. Farber, but um, I suppose I can. Um, will that be posted to talk show or, or not? Yeah, I'll go ahead. I did record this one, and it'll be there available so you can listen to it. You know, as soon as the call's over. Yes. Okay. Is this part going to be on there too? It will be, yes. Unless you want me to stop the recording, we can chat without it. It's up to you guys. Yeah, I would prefer that, really. You want me to go ahead and turn to stop the recording? Okay. See if other people agree, because then we can chat and it won't be on record. Okay, I'll go ahead and stop the recording, and then we can just have an open discussion. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 